1: It's the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey.
2: They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game.
1: The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com the free WSBT radio app. Big time audits! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett.
2: Good evening everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Great to have you on board on this Tuesday, March the 28th of 2023. And we've got 2 hours of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming your way here on WSBT Radio. My name is Darren Pritchett. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Derek Deschone who played for new Notre Dame men's basketball coach, Micah Shrewsbury, at IU South Bend, when Coach Shrewsbury was in charge of that program, starting the 05-06 season, and then wrapping up in the 07-08 campaign. So we'll talk to Derek about his time with Coach Shrewsbury. Also, later on this hour, the Twitter question of the day. We also have in the six o'clock hour Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He's going to join us to talk Notre Dame football recruiting, including how much of an impact Notre Dame made on five star defensive lineman Justin Scott, the Chicago kid who visited last weekend. What other News and notes came out of all the visits last weekend, and also we will talk about a couple of offensive tackles that Notre Dame is very interested in. So that'll be our recruiting segment coming up at 6.05 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right. We also, in the 6 o'clock hour, have our My 5 question of the day. Five rookies to watch in the National League in 2023. We'll have some sports wagering coming up at the end of the program, right before 7 o'clock, here on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. We begin the program with our hat trick of opening topics, three topics that I hope you will find interesting as we get the program started. We begin with Notre Dame football, and it looks like Michael Carmody is on the move once again. Michael Carmody is a senior offensive lineman for the Fighting Irish, and early on in spring practice, Carmody has been getting time At the left guard position. This is notable because Carmody, the last two years, was a backup offensive tackle. Now, earlier in his Notre Dame career, Carmody played guard and center. So, he's been all across the board along the offensive line. And now trying to earn a spot at left guard on this year's offensive line. Now, the Irish need a left guard and a right guard because of the departures of Jared Patterson and Josh Lug. Now, we know three of the offensive line starters, Joe Alt will be at left tackle, Zeke Carell at center, Blake Fisher at right tackle. So, Carmody heading back inside at least for now, working out at left guard. Now, early on in spring practice, Billy Shrouth, Seems to be getting a lot of attention at the right guard position. This guy got a lot of praise late last year for his development and now might be ready to be the right guard for the Fighting Irish. Also in the mix, other candidates to be a part of the starting offensive line at the guard spots, Andrew Krustafik, I think it felt like one of the favorites coming in. You got the young guy that has not been able to break through as of yet, and that is Rocco Spindler. So Christophic, Spindler, Shrouth, Carmody right now, you would have to say the four leading contenders to be the left guard and the right guard for the Irish. Early on in spring practice, things change, of course, but Carmody and Shrouth seem to be getting a lot of attention from the Fighting Irish coaching staff. Our second hat trick of opening topics tonight... Let's focus on Kerry Booth for a moment. He might be someone you need to know about. Because Kerry Booth is a four-star power forward. He is 6'10", 205, from Brewster Academy. That's in New Hampshire. And Booth is a top 100 player in the class of 2023. Booth made news five days ago. When he got out of his national letter of intent at Penn State. That, of course, was the team that Micah Shrewsbury coached up until just a few days ago when he became the head coach of the Fighting Irish. Now, Shrewsbury recruited Booth to Penn State. Kerry Booth was a Penn State legacy because his dad, Calvin Booth, is one of the great Penn State players in their program history, played in the NBA, and now Calvin Booth is the general manager of the Denver Nuggets. According to Trevor Andershook of Indiana Basketball Source, longtime recruiting analyst, he believes Booth is coming to the University of Notre Dame. Now, Booth is known as a very athletic big guy at 6'10". He is a shot blocker. He can create his own shot off the dribble, which I really like the sound of. And he is known to have a really good shot from the perimeter. Now, if Kerry Booth picks the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame's class of 2023 which started out with three signees, reduced to one when Mike Bray left the program. The one guy who stuck around is Penn's Marcus Burton. He's talked to some Notre Dame media, and he appears to be all in on Micah Shrewsbury as the Notre Dame basketball coach. So very soon we could have the class of 2023 with two players, Marcus Burton and Kerry Booth. So that's a name to keep in mind. As maybe Carrie Booth follows Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State to Notre Dame. And as we all know that follow Notre Dame basketball the Irish are in need of more athleticism length. The fact that they might have a shot blocker on the way is exciting. A rebounder. Very interesting development. We'll see if Eventually, Kerry Booth picks the Fighting Irish and joins Marcus Burton in the class of 2023. And it sounds like Micah is working hard right now in the transfer portal. There is over a 1,000 players right now in the transfer portal. It is remarkable. And also, our third hat trick of opening topics for tonight... We focus on Notre Dame hockey for a couple of moments because Notre Dame made a huge announcement yesterday. When you think about the upcoming 2023-24 campaign, the Irish are getting back two players that I guess you assume wouldn't be coming back, although one I felt like he would. I'll get to that in a moment. But Notre Dame is getting back two veteran players As they have announced that goaltender Ryan Bischel and forward Trevor Janicki return for a fifth year to play for Jeff Jackson at Notre Dame. Bischel is massive news for the Fighting Irish. Ryan has been in the shadows for a couple of years at Notre Dame until this season. Sort of waiting in the wings behind other goaltenders. Now it is the norm for Jeff Jackson to go into a season wanting someone to take hold of that starting spot, but you have to earn it before last season was different. Ryan Bischel was the guy from day one of training camp and Bischel really took charge of that spot and had a fantastic senior year at Notre Dame. 1,183 saves for Bischel this year. That's number one in the country, a save percentage of 930, just what you're looking for. That led to Bischel being voted the Big Ten Goaltender of the Year, an All-Big Ten performer, and was a semifinalist for the Mike Richter Award, which goes to the nation's top goaltender. Cale Morris won that a couple of years ago when the Irish made it to the national championship game. Now I voted on the Big Ten awards and Bischel was my choice for Big Ten Tender of the year and all Big Ten. So I was with the majority there and it was well deserved, no doubt. He was the Tender of the year. Notre Dame would not have been close to making the NCAA tournament without Bischel. They just missed out for the first time since 2015, but I can't imagine what the Notre Dame season looked like if Ryan Bischel was not there or if he was injured for a good amount of time. He stole some games along the way with his terrific goaltending. So to get this guy back to be a centerpiece of what is going to be a bit of a rebuild... For this upcoming season, it's as big of a get-back as any team in the country this year. You now have a goaltender in place that you know can play championship-level hockey. And that's a great place to start. you got to have a great goaltender to make the Frozen Four to win a national championship. They steal games along the way. And to have Bischel back, that's up, that's up Notre Dame to have a great shot to get back to the NCAA tournament and maybe more next year. It's going to be a, a different team. It's going to be a young roster. I'm not sure exactly how many freshmen Coach Jackson is going to bring in. He called it a pretty large group. So... It's going to be a younger team, but when you've got a backstop like Bischel, that is a great place to start. So Ryan Bishel is back, and I mentioned I thought one of the two might be back, and I thought it was going to be Bishel, Despite the year he had, I felt like he would be back for one reason. There might be some professional hockey opportunities after this season, and I'm sure there was. But Ryan has not played a lot of hockey at the collegiate level. As I mentioned, he has shared time with so many goaltenders like Goliath last year, say before that, that he really has a chance to show what he can do back-to-back years. And I think this is a great opportunity to give himself an opportunity to raise his value at the next level and maybe hit the jackpot next year so for Notre Dame hockey this is awesome news to get Ryan Bishel back in goal for another season and I think it's really good for the future of Ryan bishel an opportunity to show what he can do back-to-back years as the guy at Notre Dame playing in an always rugged Big Ten conference who this year got two teams into the Frozen Four, Minnesota and Michigan, and I would not be shocked if those two teams don't meet in the national championship game. The other addition for Notre Dame Hockey, they get Trevor Janicky back for a fifth year. Janicki, eight goals, 14 assists, 22 points in 37 games. He has played 143 games with the Irish, and he's back for another year, and he'll play for a third consecutive year with his younger brother, Justin Janicki. This is a key veteran forward coming back. The Irish did not have the best playmaking centers this year to set up guys like Trevor Janicki or maybe even a Landon Slagert. They had to do a lot of their work themselves. So hopefully there's going to be the possibility of more playmakers to get those guys the puck who can put the puck in the back of the net. Janicki's got a terrific one-timer from the half wall on the power play. He's got a rocket that he uses to his advantage. He's a great two-way player. He helped out Notre Dame late in the year due to an injury to the center position. Trevor Janicki moved from right wing to center and handled that very, very nice. It was good on face-off, so he brings some flexibility to the Irish next year so a top six forward coming back for one more year and Trevor Janicki joining Ryan Bishell, the Irish hockey program has two key parts coming back for next season it is 522 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser the king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend sports fans this Bud's for you by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, for new beginnings, have happy endings. I encourage you to go to my Twitter account, which is 960SportsBeep. Because yesterday I started a Sportsbeat contest on Twitter. And at stake is a $50 gift card from Wings, etc. That would come in handy for the final four games this weekend. Or the championship game Monday night. Maybe even opening day for Major League Baseball on Thursday. And on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat, I asked this question. The Cubs and the White Sox. How many runs total? Will those two teams score in their respective opening day games? So I'm looking for a total run total for the Cubs and the White Sox for their opening games, which are scheduled for Thursday. If something gets rained out out or weathered out, we will move to the next day. Whatever the first game is for the Cubs and the White Sox, that is what we are using. The key is how many total runs without going over. So if the final answer is 10, you picked 11, you went over, you're out. And that's how we're going to do it. The price is right way. So if you'd like to take part in our contest for opening day, the Cubs and the White Sox, their total runs without going over, go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And at stake for the winner, a $50 gift card to Wings, et cetera. If there is a tie, we will draw for the winner. So make sure you go to my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat, and reply to my tweet about this contest, and we will see who walks away with that $50 gift card from Wings, etc. It is 525 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up in just a couple of moments, I'm going to be joined by a former player of Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. Derek Deshaun will join us to talk about his time with Coach Shrewsbury and what Notre Dame players and fans should expect with Micah Shrewsbury as the new men's basketball coach at Notre Dame. That conversation is on the way next. It is 25 minutes after 5 o'clock, and you are listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Nothing beats the power.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT Radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: It is 5.30 on this Tuesday evening. Sports Speak continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Brought to you by Budweiser, Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Coming up Thursday at 11 a.m., Micah Shrewsbury will be officially introduced as the new men's basketball coach at the University of Notre Dame. He's a Hoosier at heart, born in the southern part of Indiana, moved to Indianapolis, played at Cathedral and Hanover College. He was an assistant basketball coach at Butler and Purdue, and amidst of all that from 2005 through the 07-08 season he was the head basketball coach at IU South Bend. He was the first full-time head coach in that program history. So he's moving up the street a little bit from his time at IU South Bend in 0506 now to being the head coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And joining me is Derek Deshaun, who played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend, I guess we could say back in the day. Derek, it's Darren. Good to be with you. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing terrific. I greatly appreciate your time. First, I'd like to get your overall reaction when you heard that Micah was coming to Notre Dame. What came to mind immediately?
3: I I think I I believe I texted him and I told him welcome back home again. So um, I think that it's an exciting time for him and his family, and kind of where he started his head coaching career kind of comes full circle again.
2: It sounded like when he was the head coach at IU South Bend, he did a little bit of everything. Maybe the laundry, swept the floors, coached the team. I guess you have to do that as you work your way up the coaching ranks.
3: I I, th- I think so. Especially at the point where they transition to a full time person, um, I think you got to jump all feet both feet in and do whatever needs to get done at that point in time. So yeah, I th- he did a little of everything when he was there and got his feet wet.
2: Derek, give me a little background on you. Did he recruit you, or did he inherit you at IU South Bend? Um, He recruited
3: me So um, in oh five oh six, I was a preferred walk-on at Ball State, and um, Coach Buckley um, got let go after my first year, and I ended up transferring back, and so he recruited me back to IU South Bend.
2: How did he find out about you, and what was the relationship like starting out as you got to know him?
3: Man, you know what, I'm actually not sure how I found out about me. Um, That that was so long ago as well. Um, But, um, you know, a great relationship with him when when he was there and, um, you know, had a lot of fun playing for him.
2: What stood out about Micah, the head coach, maybe even the strategy that he put forth? What impressed you about Micah in that area?
3: Well, I mean, I think um, at, at that point in time, you know, being a, a younger younger guy, um, having gone through what you know all of us players on the team had gone through, and I think that's that that's big, and I I think it's still big today that he's kind of walked in everybody's shoes, um, been in the the positions that we were all in at that time, um, so I think that helped him navigate as he went, and it helped us navigate, um, you know, playing college basketball, and for me, you know, playing for the second person in two years. Hmm.
2: Derek, I know someone at Penn State, and even before he was a candidate for the Notre Dame job, we were just sitting around talking about Micah because I've been a fan of his. I'm a Big Ten fan, and I was just impressed what he did at Penn State the last two years. And the one thing that person said about Micah, put aside all of his basketball knowledge and and how smart he is with X's and O's, he is so good with the players. He's a really good people person do you already start to see that come out of him as a coach when he was here in South Bend at IU South Bend
3: yeah I mean I think it goes back to then about being in the shoes that all these all these players have have been in that the players he's coaching now that he's been there Um, I think you know I think there's probably a special part to building relationships when you've got to be an assistant for an NBA team um, because you've got to work have a nice working relationship with with pro athletes and um, I think that probably was something he really excelled at, which is why he was so successful and, and ended up, you know, getting back to Purdue and going to Penn State and kind of moving up the chain.
2: Derek Deshaun is my guest, played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. And what years were you with Mike at IU South Bend? Oh,
3: geez, I knew he would go back that far. <laughs> 06, 07 uh, for sure. Yep. Was that his last year? That was his year? second year. Yeah. Second year, so those 06, 07, 07, 08.
2: Okay, so for people that don't know, when Micah took over, there was a rebuild that needed to be taken care of. He went 3-28 and his first year, and then your first year, Derek, they went 12-20, and and eventually he got the team over 500 at 17-15. and So let's go back a little bit. What do you remember about that rebuild and how he made the team better? Well,
3: uh, the – the fun part about the rebuild um, was uh, Jeremy Herring, who is the current head coach at uh, Ancilla, mm-hmm. um, was there as well. And we played high school together. Um, and then we just had a bunch of great guys on the team. Um, Hubert was another player that played for us. It might have been the hardest worker that, you know, I've ever played with. Um, so we had a group of, of, uh, of smart guys, guys that worked hard and um, that, that played well together. And, and a lot of that was from – you know, Micah's relationship building and then uh, ability to put together pieces together of the puzzle.
2: Now, you mentioned a moment ago that you texted Micah when he got the Notre Dame job. So, to me, that's a sign that you had a really good relationship with Coach Shrewsbury when he was your basketball coach, and that has that relationship has continued over the last 20 years.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I also know that those guys are extremely busy and have bigger uh, fish to fry than, than Texans. <laughs> Uh, texting back a a basketball coach in in indiana but um you know i i i just you know i was i'm happy for his success and um you know when you go through battles with somebody like we did together um you want to see him be successful and he's done it the right way and uh, worked his way up and and had a lot of really good mentors um so i think uh you know you you can't can't help but be happy for his success
2: now i know coaches have to groom the strategy of the team around the talent that he has. So this might be a difficult question, but I'm just wondering, based on your experience playing for him, do you see anything that you remember when he was, or I should say, things that he did at Penn State? Did he do at IU South Bend, or has he evolved a lot from his time when he was here in South Bend the first time?
3: And I just think you, have I, I think he's a, a, evolved a lot. You know, I don't want to say it was bad or it was good or what but sure. when you spend the amount of time that he spent with you know Matt Painter, especially his second round with painter I thought their offense improved and then the things you know innovative things he did with Penn State this year um, was you know was awesome to watch and um, I think it'll be a lot of fun at Notre Dame um, kind of to see how he pieces it together and you know he's got a really good freshman coming in next year to kind of to kind of help that so in Marcus Burton
2: what impressed you about Micah's time at Penn State, in particular this year? I mean, Derek, they got so much better in the second half of the year. They had that great run in the Big Ten tournament. And, heck, they had Texas on the ropes in the second yeah. round of the tournament. And and I would imagine they probably don't have a roster filled with five-star guys across the board. I love the picket kid. He's, he's outstanding. Yeah. But I would just like to get your perspective on what you saw Micah build at Penn State. Yeah.
3: You know, I think something that probably um, helps, you know, Micah, but probably all college coaches now is with the NIL and all this moving and, and uh, guys around, um, you know, NBA guys have to have to build teams in, in year stints and half year stints and there's trades and there's different things. So they've got to figure a way to mold these pieces together quickly. Um, and I think that's something he did um, just in watching his Penn state teams this year and, and, from the, from the previous year, um, which is, you know, something that he's going to have to do at Notre Dame with, you know, all the departures they've had and and things like that. So, um, you know, he's, he's shown he can do it at a, at a tough place to win. I would say Penn state's a pretty tough place to win. Um, and he, and he did it there and and there's no doubt in my mind he'll do it at Notre Dame. Hmm.
2: Derek Deshaun is my guest played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend back in 06, 07 and 07, 08. I know Irish fans are really eager to get to know Micah Shrewsbury. I'll say this. I thought, Derek, his team at Penn State was mentally tough. They did the little things well, and I'm sure that probably comes from their head coach. I mean, you think about the guys he's been with, and you mentioned them doing the little things. High basketball IQ are very important to Micah Shrewsbury.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you just said it. Between uh, Coach Stevens and Coach Painter, I don't know if there's uh, two coaches that probably – uh, push the mental toughness and, and the mental side of the game more than those two um, and you could really tell down the stretch um, you know to get into the tournament I would say um, I believe against uh, Maryland uh, with the tip in at the end and then into the Big Ten tournament um, you know to win that many games in that short of time your team has to be extremely mentally tough and, and a lot of times that comes from the head
2: coach. Mm. I got to ask you just coming from a basketball family and you played college basketball, what are your impressions of how things have changed with the NIL and the transfer portal? I mean, you can go from one school to the other. You don't have to sit out anymore. What is your perspective as someone that loves the game of basketball?
3: Man. I mean, every time I open in my, my uh, Twitter, my feed is just uh, some, this guy's transferring, this guy's transferring, this guy's transferring. So,
0: um,
3: you know, I, I, I don't know if, if, I don't know how great it is for college athletics, but I don't know how, how, what the answer is to it. I don't know if it's ever going to go away or if there's a way to control it. Um, Cause you know, it's, you know, the footballs and basketballs of the world, you know, are, can, can afford to pay these, to pay the kids. I mean, I think what they said Miami had 2.2 million in NIL money on their team this year, <laughs> which is, which is wow. Um, I, you just, that's a tough thing to do for all sports and, you know, how do you control it is – and I, I, don't know, I don't know the answers to that, and I don't know if anybody else knows. I think they're just probably people are running with it because they can do it. Yeah. So um, that takes people above our pay grade to make those
2: decisions. Boy, isn't that the truth. There no doubt about that. Hey, one more question for you. I, I got to ask you this, and this probably was the most important question, and I should have done it first. But so Mishawaka basketball coach Bodie Bender, a better coach or a better player in high school?
3: Ooh, I, I mean, he does have a filthy 15-foot jump shot, uh, and he'll tell you about it. But um, he, he's doing a great job at Mishawaka, and uh, you know they've got a, a tough team coming back next year. So um, we'll look forward to our trip to the cave next year.
2: All right, so with, with Bender's 15-footer and Kender's three-point shot, that would be a pretty tough team to have to deal with, right?
3: Well... On one end of the floor, they're going to need subs before they get to half court. They can stand down there and shoot it, but but uh, the other end's going to need some help. So if we if you could get su- subs, line change like hockey, yeah,
2: that'd be right up their alley. Derek, if you're the point guard, you'd probably average what 15 assists a game.
3: I I would hope so, but you never know. You never know.
2: <laughs> That's right. Hey, Derek, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Just wanted to get your perspective on Micah Shrewsbury, the new Notre Dame basketball coach, since you were coached by him at IU South Bend. So I greatly appreciate the time this evening, and best of luck to you and your team next fall.
3: Thank you, appreciate
2: it. All right, take care. That is Derek Deshone, who played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend back in the 0607 and 0708 campaign. 543 is our time. More sports beat coming up in just a moment. On your home of the Fighting Irish, sports radio 960, WSBT.
1: Sports fans. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: 548 at WSBT. And we would like to remind you that with the weekend's devastating severe storms and tornadoes battering the southeast, many could use our help if you can. We encourage you to donate to the Red Cross to assist in feeding, sheltering, and comforting those people as much as possible during this time. Again, if you can, visit redcross.org for more information and to donate.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Let's go back to yesterday's program, our Twitter question of the day, which was available to be voted on at 960 Sportsbeat. Monday's question was, what part of the Notre Dame defense are you least concerned about as spring practice continues? I'm a little surprised by the voting on this question. The part of the defense that I thought would win the vote actually came in third. So here is a recap. Coming in third in the voting, what part of the Notre Dame defense are you least concerned about as spring practice continues? Defensive line came in third at 18.2%. It would have gotten my vote. Not only what is the starting unit going to look like, what is the depth going to look like? You want to be able to roll out two units that give you championship-level football. You lost Isaiah Foskey, the Atabayola Twins. So there's a lot of jobs to be won and great play that need is needed from this particular group. And I'm just waiting to see how things all pan out. But obviously the Notre Dame fan base in this vote looks at it totally differently. As the defensive line is the least of the concerns of these three at 18.2%. Coming in second place in the voting, the linebacking core at 30.9%. Now, if you go to message boards like at blueandgold.com, there always seems to be a discussion about who should be playing, who should be benched, who could be this, who could be that at the linebacker spots. You've got a situation where you've got a veteran core of linebackers and some young pups that won the recruiting game with their high school tape. It's almost like a backup quarterback. Everybody loves the backup quarterback when the starting quarterback is struggling. In this spot, it kind of seems like that everybody is waiting for these young guys to get on the field because the veteran guys can't do this, can't do that. It almost feels like they do their job, but it's not explosive enough. Like these young guys who, you look at their high school tape, look what they accomplished, and you know what? Maybe they can't accomplish it, but let's also keep in mind you have to be able to understand your assignments, all your assignments, not just one or two plays throughout an entire game, and you have to consistently Show the coaching staff that you can do it. And let me say this, too, and I think we all know this, that if you're good enough and you beat out the veteran guy, you're going to play. They don't care what age you are. Best player plays. And the young guys not only have to play to the level of the veteran guys, they have to exceed it, in my mind, in order to get onto the field. So a lot of these guys that are getting pumped up on message boards. Their time is probably going to come, and I'm hoping they're going to do a great job, but there's some good veteran guys on this football team that are going to have to get beat out. And let's just keep in mind, the coaches will put the best player on the field. And winning the vote, what part of the Notre Dame defense are you least concerned about as spring practice continues? How about this? The defensive backfield at 50.9%. Well, you've got two corners you can count on that you feel really good about. The safety position I have questions about. There's a lot of familiar names, like a DJ Brown there, but is this safety group going to be able to play at a high level? I think there are questions along the defensive line. There are questions at safety. The corner position you feel really, really good about, but... In this vote, what part of the Notre Dame defense are you least concerned about? The DB position won hands down at 50.9%. In my opinion, if I were to pick what I'm least concerned about, linebackers. Second in line, I'll go defensive backs because you got those corners. And I'm going to go, my biggest concern is... That defensive line, they just have a lot to prove. They might be able to do it. I just need to see it. And maybe we'll start to see that on April the 22nd when the Blue Gold game takes place. I'll have the play-by-play for you here on WSBT Radio, live from Notre Dame Stadium. Saturday, April 22nd at 2 o'clock, and let's hope for sunshine and 65 degrees that day. So that was the Twitter question of the day yesterday really interesting vote all right now let's go to today's question which was put on the board earlier this afternoon on my twitter account at 960 sports the question is this with the men's basketball final four featuring a four seed that's connecticut a couple of five seeds the old Miami Hurricanes and San Diego State, and then a nine seed in Florida Atlantic. Are you likely to watch as much of the final four as in past years or listen to the final four as much as in past years? Your three choices, more, the same amount, or less. There has been some conversation if, Ratings will be down because you have, I don't want to call them all Cinderellas, but they lack that big oomph in name recognition. Remember, last year's Final Four was the dream Final Four. If you want big name teams in the Final Four Duke, Carolina, Villanova, Kansas. One year later, Florida Atlantic, Miami, Yukon and San Diego State. So is that going to affect your listening or viewing habits of the Final Four on Saturday? Your three choices again, more, the same amount, or less. We'd love for you to vote on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. And while you're there, make sure you you find that opening day contest, a $50 gift card from Wings, etc. on the line. Total runs scored by the Cubs and the White Sox in their respective opening day games. The total without going over is what we are looking for. So make sure you reply to that tweet as well to get into that contest for the chance to win a $50 gift card from Wings, etc. It's already 5.56 halfway through the program. Coming up next, we've got Notre Dame football recruiting talk to come your way. Justin Scott Wow, if you watched his video, this interior defensive lineman is absolutely spectacular. And everybody wants him. Ohio State, Miami, Georgia. And oh, by the way, the team that's an hour and a half from his home, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, he visited last weekend. How did it go? We'll find out from Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer coming up after a sports update on your home of the Fighting Irish in the Blue Goal game on April the 22nd, Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
1: Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960, WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider, mike singer
2: let's talk some notre dame football recruiting with the notre dame football recruiting insider at blue and gold illustrated BlueandGold.com. mike singer i'm darren pritchett we are on budweiser's weekday sports beat on 960 am wsbt and also you can watch us on the blue and gold youtube channel spring practice is underway And we've got plenty to talk around kind of surrounding spring practice with the fact there were some very interesting visits last weekend. And, Mike, first and foremost, we have to talk about Justin Scott, one of the premier defensive linemen in the country. Seemed like he's been interested in Notre Dame for quite a amount of time. And before I get your thoughts on him visiting, we had this conversation a moment ago. Rarely do you find a player on defense – that brings the buzz that it's almost like he's a quarterback that's visiting Notre Dame. This is a defensive lineman visiting. And I think he gets a lot of buzz at blueandgold.com. and
4: And we also talked about before we started recording that we, we, we talk about what the people are interested in. You know, if people really wanted to talk about Notre Dame or, or hear about Notre Dame, you know, tennis recruiting, we, that's what we would do. We go what people are interested in, and, I mean, it's it's not hard to, you know, see that people love Justin Scott. I mean, he's 6'5", 310 pounds. He's a five-star. He's from Chicago, St. Ignatius. He's got offers from everyone, and Notre Dame's been very involved with him for, you know, close to a year or so. And, yeah, he, he, people want to know about Justin Scott. And Irish fans want him badly to wear the blue and gold. And, you know, it's definitely good for Notre Dame to get him back on campus. First time in eight months, Darren.
2: Well, I noticed last weekend it seemed like Justin Scott for a while was attached at the hip of head coach Marcus Freeman. There's videos and, and pictures of him with Marcus Freeman. How did the visit go?
4: You know, by all accounts, really well. And, uh, you know, blue and gold, Kyle Kelly um, had some really good stuff on him. Uh, You know, your traditional interview with with the player, um, you know, Kyle had a really good story on that. But also Kyle wrote like an observations piece about like, hey, I was at the practice. I got to see Justin Scott observe the defense line coach. He kind of wrote like a Sights and Sounds article, which is pretty cool. And here was a quote from Scott in in the interview. (laughs) I'm a mama's boy, so I can't be too far from my mom. Notre Dame being an hour and a half away. That plays a huge role. So that's what Scott had to say. Uh, to Kelly. So that was uh, obviously a really good quote for Notre Dame fans to read. Um, and yeah, in, in talking to multiple sources on the Notre Dame side of things, Darren, pretty really encouraging. Um, I mean, Notre Dame folks definitely think that the Irish have pulled you know, ahead, um, you know, if they were lagging behind. Like, it, it, Notre Dame folks feel really good. But here's the thing, Darren you can feel really good right now, but as we know, recruiting is a roller coaster, and especially with these five star guys. Then there's another recruit up there, a four-star linebacker called Peyton Pierce. He just visited Ohio State, and it looks like the Buckeyes now leave for him. But the longer he goes from that visit, as time passes on and he hasn't committed, the better it looks for Notre Dame. It's kind of the opposite here. Notre Dame's now surging ahead um, and looking really good for Justin Scott. But the longer he goes, and then he takes an official to Georgia, and he takes a you know, trip to Ohio State. Then you don't feel as confident, so you got to keep getting them back on campus. Keep working hard. I would expect Scott to get back to South Bend probably for the Blue-Gold game the weekend of April 22nd, so that will be huge. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to keep battling here, Darren's a huge recruit for the Irish. I mean, he, him on tape, I mean, he's just a fantastic player. So, you know, I don't like to say a can't-miss prospect, but, you know, how many five-star defensive linemen – you know, are there in Chicago? Do they happen? Sure. But how often? It's it's not too often.
2: You made the comment, or you showed the comment, I should say, about how Justin was talking about being close to home. You know, that that helps. And I'm looking at some of the names of the schools that he is still interested in. You mentioned a couple of them. Georgia, Miami is high on the list. Are there many other Midwest schools that are at least on his radar right now that could be classified as within driving distance for his mom?
1: Yeah,
4: I mean Ohio State from Chicago's what five yeah. five hours or so. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I I really think it's you know Notre Dame, Georgia, Ohio State, Miami. Um, I think those are the – maybe Michigan, you know, and, and that's, what, about four hours, um, you know, give, give or take. I think that's about it, Darren. So that's that's the Midwest Rundown. you're really just looking like Notre Dame, Ohio State, maybe Michigan on the outside looking in.
2: Who knows? Maybe Justin Scott will be like Drake Bowen, who at the end of the day – It became more important to play closer to home at first. It wasn't a big deal. And then it became important. It could be the same thing for Justin Scott. So he's got a lot of official visits to take. So I assume we're going to have to wait probably a little while before he makes his final college choice.
4: Yeah. Maybe before senior season, somewhere this summer, you know, if he's going to knock out officials, you know, start in the spring, I would, this is the timeline really for Notre Dame with, most of their top targets get them on campus during the fall of their junior season let's just start there I mean really you can go back to their sophomore year but let's just start like fall junior season get them on campus for a game or two then get them on campus again for that January junior day and or the March junior day the blue gold game get them on campus there spring or summer official visits you know those three or four weekends of June the Notre Dame will have official visit weekend, get them on campus, then lock them up before the senior season. That's the timeline. It's looking good. Like Notre Dame has got him on campus last summer. Didn't get him on campus in the fall. And that's when guys like me were like, Hmm, this is not looking good for Notre Dame. Why is the Chicago kid not getting to Notre Dame, um, you know, for a, for a game, get him on campus in March. He couldn't in January, you know, Snowstorm, basketball, you know, whatever going on, gets on campus in March, looks like blue-gold game is possible very strong possibility, summer official visit. You know, does he take an OV to Notre Dame? Hey, he doesn't have to. If he's got five, why take an all-expenses-paid trip to a place you can drive an hour and a half to? I still think he'll probably end up taking one to Notre Dame. Um, but, uh, yeah, I-, I think things are looking up for Notre Dame here.
2: He is Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Wasn't just Justin Scott on campus last weekend visiting. What else happened noteworthy among some of the other visitors last weekend?
4: Yeah, added had an article at blueandgold.com titled The Gold Standard where I really ran through, hey, here's everything I'm hearing, talking to the recruits, sources close to them, sources on the Notre Dame side of things. So definitely encourage folks to check that out. We have a current promotion right now for uh, four months for ten bucks. I mean, come on. Uh, one of these articles is worth your time for ten bucks. <laughs> and then you get four months of content uh, plus the message board. So uh, head to bloomgold.com, check that out. Just real quick, Darren, three visitors. I mean, there are seriously so many guys to talk about who are on campus this weekend. Um, uh, Ray Moore, peculiar uh, tight end from Missouri, Jaden Riddell. On three, ranks him as the number one tight end in the country. He plays on that same 7-on-7 seven seven team as C.J. Carr, Notre Dame's quarterback commit. Wow. That connection could be pretty good for Notre Dame. Um, and I should be seeing both of those guys at a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament in Tennessee this weekend. So um, might have some you know, good stuff to talk about next week and some good clips to show on our YouTube channel. Um, but, yeah, Riddell had a good visit from what I'm told. Notre Dame should be in contention for one of his official visits. John Mitchell, this is a huge one for Notre Dame. Jeremy, you think Notre Dame recruiting in Jacksonville? Not a ton comes to mind. Um, Louis Nix was from Jacksonville. Rest in peace. I, but otherwise, I want to say he was. But not not a ton for, for Notre Dame in, in Jacksonville, at least up to my knowledge. Um, but Notre Dame looking like they're battling Penn State. Um, I know he's visiting the Nittany Lions this weekend, and that is a pretty big visit. Um, but Notre Dame, I know we had a fantastic, you know, Notre Dame did a fantastic job hosting Mitchell. His brother went to Harvard. So academics really important here to the family. How about this one? James Flanagan, (laughs) his father, Jim Flanagan, former defensive lineman for the Irish, um, you know, some 30 odd years ago and, uh, you know, tight end out of Wisconsin, the 2025 recruiting class probably seems like just a matter of time. Before Flanagan ends up on Notre Dame's commitment list. But you know, you never know how these things you know play out, but do like where the Irish are at there, especially coming off of this visit. All
2: right, so for more on the visits, go to blueandgold.com. Offensive tackle conversation. Unfortunately, Joe Alt was going to lose this or leave this program at some point. And we're gonna to have to move on at the tackle spots. Blake Fisher as well, so we got to keep the offensive tackles coming. And let's talk about a couple of hopeful offensive tackles for the fighting Irish we'll begin with Anthony Knapp who's going to be making his college choice very very soon who is he
4: yeah you know you mentioned offensive tackle this one's interesting Darren because if you know, he's listed at 6'4 265 which is not
1: Mm-mm.
4: ideal tackle size I mean and, and I talked to that recently he's like I, I mean I, I know that but the thing is the way he plays is I mean it's it's like his athleticism his aggressiveness like translates to tackle so i think it's kind of a get here and see he's i would probably put it like 75 80 chance he's going to be an interior guy at the next level but you there's plenty of history of six four offensive tackles so i mean if you can move and you know you 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 can pass block, i mean you can play tackle but i i do probably think he projects more on the inside uh, at the next level he's announcing his commitment on wednesday this one is come together really quickly. And it does look pretty good here for Notre Dame. He visited campus, um, you know, was it Friday. Uh, and then hung, I think he hung out in a, a couple of days in Chicago. Great place to hang out. Hope he got some pizza. Darren, I need to get to Chicago and get some pizza. I am really craving some Chicago deep dish. Uh, but that's a different discussion for a different day as I'm now getting very hungry on uh, craving pizza. But Darren, uh, you know, he got it offer while on campus and, For him to announce a commitment date of this Wednesday, that soon after the visit, and when you follow recruiting long enough, that typically looks pretty good. Interesting note, his first Power 5 offer was from Virginia Tech. Hmm. Who was Virginia Tech's offensive line coach at that time? Joe Rudolph. Knapp visited Virginia Tech in January. Rudolph was the offensive line coach at that point. So he's visited with Joe Rudolph twice this calendar year, once at Virginia Tech, and then on Friday with Notre Dame. Um, So, yeah, it looks pretty good that NAP will be Notre Dame's second offensive line commit in the class, joining Peter Jones from uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania. And then from that point, Darren, Notre Dame is probably going to go with your true offensive tackle, and there is a big one coming to campus soon.
2: And before we get to that, breaking news, I understand Deep Dish Pizza from Chicago is a one-star prospect. One star. One star. Now. That's one thing we totally Ooh, disagree hey. on. That and oh, the Chicago right. well, hot Darren, dog where you I've can't put really... ketchup and mustard on it. Come on, that's ridiculous. I have really enjoyed working
4: <laughs> with you on these shows, Darren. I, I, for me, Detroit deep dish is number one. Okay. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's tight. Because Jets Pizza, I, I grew up eating that. I just haven't had as much exposure to Chicago, um, you know, deep dish pizza, but um, – it, every time i've had it, it's amazing so darren it's been uh it's been good yeah. doing these shows with you. this is our last this is our last one
2: well maybe you and justin scott can go have a, a deep dish you know sometime in chicago who knows sounds fantastic that would be great but now let's go to the more important subject gerby lambert <laughs> i love the name gerby he's yeah. an offensive tackle who what visited in april and when i was looking him up today, I notice he is one of the premier offensive tackles in this class.
4: Yeah, he's never been to Notre Dame. Oh, he hasn't. To my knowledge, yeah, uh, it's not April yet, Darren. Believe it or not, we're, we're getting there. He's, to my knowledge, he's taken two trips to Boston College, you know, the school down the road. I don't think he's been to any other hmm. visits outside his home state. So, I mean, this is a big story. You know, we posted this news. Monday night, um, you know, heard from, you know, multiple sources that Lambert is visiting Notre Dame for that blue gold game. His teammate at the high school level, Boudicard Traore signed with Notre Dame in the 2023 class. Hmm. Honestly, Darren, a bit of a blessing that Traore did not enroll early. One, I think he's over, he's still recovering from an injury. So he wouldn't you know, be able to do spring ball anyway, but he's coming into Notre Dame for the spring. And so I, I think Lambert's, you know, carpooling there. So huge for Notre Dame to get Kirby Lambert on campus. I mean, he really is as good as they come. Um, listed at 6'7, 285 pounds. I mean, are you kidding? What, what, what is he being fed? He's a junior in high school. All the heavy hitters are after him. I personally think, Darren, it's Notre Dame versus Boston College. If that's not often for, you know, the number two tackle in the country number 46 overall player for the industry ranking at on three um but uh yeah i I think he stays local at boston college or i think he goes to notre dame the academic component um you know trey is one of his best buddies that's a really important connection i like notre dame here and it's still tough recruitment because it's like he really hasn't been anywhere he hasn't been to notre dame does he click with notre dame does he not does he um You take all five official visits before deciding. There's a lot. It's kind of unknown with this recruitment, but blue gold game. He's expected to get to Notre Dame. Absolutely huge visit there.
2: Well, unless he wants to play close to home, which I respect that. Having the opportunity to play offensive line at Notre Dame. Rudolph, the new offensive line coach, the history. I saw a stat the other day, how many hundreds of millions of dollars the offensive line at Notre Dame is now worth in the National Football League. It's pretty remarkable. But, hey, if he wants to go to B.C., I get it. But, wow, what an amazing opportunity he could have here.
4: Yeah, I mean, you look at the Notre Dame offensive line room, and I think it's not a hard sell for Notre Dame to say, hey, here's all the, you know, the digits, you know, of, of dollars that our, our players have made, mm. you know, in the offensive line in the NFL. And then um, Blake Fisher and Joe Walt are, are not going to be here much longer. And I mean, there's not behind that. It's like, there's no like shoe in tackles. I mean, if you're Notre Dame, you can say, Hey, Joe, and Blake Fisher started as freshmen. Now, if, you know, F- Fisher was the day one starter. It's a true freshman left tackle, right? Am I remembering that right? That Florida state game. You know, Fisher ended up getting hurt, but like you can say, hey, it might have been a different offensive line coach, but we're we're willing to, to start you as a true rushman. And it's it's rare, but he clearly has the size. I mean, you get to Notre Dame and be six, seven, three hundred something pounds. Like, he can play right away. There's a lot to offer here. Not only the the academic component, we're offensive line you, but also you come here in 2024, Joe. All Blake Fisher probably gone. You know, all, I, I would assume this is all yeah. last season at Notre Dame. Fisher very well it could be the same um, proposition. Kirby Lambert could be a, a, a seriously. He could be. I mean, Emil Wagner, Charles Jagiello. You got some you got some really good tackle pieces there too. But Lambert, I mean, he really do, could have that opportunity to be a day one starter which is crazy to think about but i mean this is you know one of the best offensive tackle prospects in the country
2: hey one more quick one for you really fast because there's a little buzz right now in spring practice since we're talking about offensive line that michael carmody who's bounced around all over the place in his time here might be right now being groomed at left guard and there was buzz about billy shroud late last year he might be the right guard, and that kind of leaves Rocco Spindler out of the mix. And I know so many people were thrilled when he picked Notre Dame. I know, I think you still believe he's got a ton of potential, but right now running into a couple of veteran guys in front of him. But you always liked his tape, right? When you were going through the recruiting process with him.
3: Yeah, yeah, I,
4: I, yeah, I like. I mean, it, it, it's hard not to like all these offensive linemen that come yeah. to Notre Dame. I mean, they're you know. It, it, it's Notre Dame. They do a really good job recruiting off the Yeah, I mean, I thought he might have been a little overhyped. Um, I know by Goolsby shared that sentiment as well. Um, you know, I didn't think he was a five star talent. You know, one of the top guards in the country for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a shock, but, uh, you know, he's one. Well, I remember he was a freshman. People are just. Play Rocco Spindler, why aren't we playing yeah. Rocco Spindler? There's always that, you know, there are one or two freshmen. Play Jordan Johnson. You know, Jordan Johnson might even do anything at UCF, uh, but, hey, play him at Notre Dame. So it's part of the outrage. Like, Darren, do you hear much outrage about Notre Dame not playing Pat Coogan or Tai Chan? No, because they weren't as heralded as a recruit as Rocco Spindler. So, you know, the, you know I'll interview a lot of recruits, and they'll be like, hey, when you get to college, I know that my star ranking goes away and it doesn't matter. You're seeing that on display here. Rocco Spindler was a heralded recruit, but that doesn't matter when you get to Notre Dame, the best guy is going to play. And if, if it's Carmody, Christophic, you know, on on the inside and, uh, and and not him,
2: it is what it is. Very good. So remind our listeners about the offer that's available right now to be a part of the blue and gold family. Head to blue and Gold.com
4: and at right at the top, it'll have the offer $4, excuse me, $10 for four months. I mean, it, if you just want to try it out, like, Hey, you got 10 bucks, you know, in, in the account and you want to see what it's all about. at blue and gold. You like these segments. Um, and you want to get more coverage of Notre Dame football and recruiting. And yeah, just head to the website, sign up $4. Or, man, that's killing me. Four months, $10. That's all it is. Check it out. If you don't like it, cancel at the end. But uh, something tells me that you will probably stick
2: around. All right. And you might get signed up just in time to read more about Anthony Knapp, who could be picking Notre Dame on Wednesday. Who knows? Mike, good to be with you as always. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week.
4: Sounds good. Thank you, Darren.
2: That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We've got more Budweiser's weekday sports speed coming up in just a moment. On your home of the Irish and the April 22nd Blue Goal game, Sports Radio 960 W. One question, five answers. This is the
1: My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Welcome back to the program. I'm Darren Pritchett. 6.35 is our time on this Tuesday evening. Today's my five question of the day. Who are the top five rookies to watch this year in Major League Baseball's National League? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Of course, a reminder, opening day for Major League Baseball comes your way on Thursday. Every team is in action on Thursday, including the Cubs. Playing at Wrigley Field against the Brewers. You got the White Sox down in Houston. They have to watch... The Astros hoist their World Championship banner and also face their former teammate, Jose Abreu. And the Detroit Tigers on the road, they'll take on the Tampa Bay Rays. But right now, let's focus on the National League and who are five rookies that you probably are going to know about before the end of this 2023 campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I'm going to start with a left-handed hitting third baseman. 2019 first round pick of the New York Metropolitans his name is Brett Beatty this is a good looking left handed hitting third baseman I would expect at some point that the Mets will move on from veteran third baseman Eduardo Escobar and give the keys to the third base bag to Brett Beatty now at double A last year in 89 games he hit 312 with a 406 on on-base percentage, 19 dingers, 59 RBI, and had a couple of stolen bases. He got a taste of the majors late last year, 38 at-bats, only hit 184, but had a pair of home runs and knocked in five, not bad, and 38 at-bats, making your major league debut with the New York Mets. Right now, Beatty is the 21st best player in the minors right now, according to MLB Pipeline. So keep an eye on Mets third baseman, Brett Beatty. Four. Coming in at number four, the Philadelphia Phillies have been adding on boatloads of talent on the offensive side. They brought in Trey Turner this offseason. A couple of years ago, brought in Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. But on the pitching side, they've got a pretty good one-two duel right now, and a third could be added to the mix very soon. His name is Andrew Painter. I believe the best pitching prospect in the minor leagues right now. Painter is listed by MLB Pipeline as the sixth-best overall player in the minor leagues, he's got a fastball that pops. This is a high school first round pick. He's got a cutter, a changeup, and now he has added a curveball. Last year, without the curveball, he did just fine. He pitched at three different levels, including making it to double A, where he had five starts, a 254 ERA, 28 and a third innings, 25 hits a couple of walks and 37 strikeouts his whip at the double-a level as a young kid 0.95 this kid throws hard throws strikes he has been electric in the minors and i would expect his stuff will easily translate to major league baseball so the phillies have an interesting guy that probably will be up at some point andrew painter oh, okay okay uh- Today's my five question of the day. Who are the five rookies to watch in the National League in 2023? Coming in, in that number three spot, is Mets catcher Francisco Alvarez. MLB Pipeline has Alvarez ranked number three in the minors. Now, right now, the Mets, who are in a win mode right now, bringing in Justin Verlander, To team up with Max Scherzer in one heck of a 1-2 duo atop of their rotation. Mets are trying to win right now. But in the catcher spot, they've got Omar Navarez. Cub fans might remember him with the Brewers the last couple of years. And Tomas Nito is the backup. That is nothing to write home about. Alvarez is the future for the Mets. Known for his bat. Double A last year, hit 277 with a 368 on base percentage, 18 homers, 47 knocked in. Triple A, only at 234, but had a 382 on base, 9 homers, 31 driven in. Made it to the majors last year, 18 games late in the year, 47 at bats, hit 170 with a home run. I would have to imagine it won't take long for the Mets. To go to Alvarez if the Navarez-Nito combination doesn't work out. And history would show it probably will not. Especially a team having to compete in the NL East with the Atlanta Braves. They're going to be tough to handle. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be awesome again. And the Mets are right in there trying to win that division title. Number two. Number two on our list of rookies to watch in the National League this year, we go to St. Louis, and the Cardinals' 20-year-old outfielder, Jordan Walker, the number four prospect according to MLB Pipeline. He is a monster. 6'5", 220 pounds, drafted by St. Louis in the first round in 2020. Third baseman by trade, He's not going to play third base in St. Louis anytime soon with that Arenado guy still around. So the Cardinals converted Walker to the outfield last year. Now, Walker will turn 21 in May. But last year as a 19- and a 20-year-old at AA Springfield. And the old thought is if you hit at AA, you're going to hit in the majors because you're facing the top prospects. AAA, you get a lot of. Players who are roster fillers in case there is an injury at the major league level, they can come in and fill it. The real competition is at the AA level. The best of the best go there. You see a lot of players jump from AA to the majors. Juan Soto did that with the Nationals years ago. Walker's going to try to do that with St. Louis. He's made the opening day roster, but at Springfield last year at AA, 119 games for Walker. Again, as a nineteen slash twenty-year-old, hit three oh six, with a three eighty-eight on-base percentage, nineteen home runs, sixty-eight driven in, plus at six five two twenty, he's a heck of an athlete. He had twenty-two stolen bases in twenty-seven attempts. I've made this statement before, but broadcasting South Bend Cub games from two thousand fifteen to two thousand twenty-one, there are three individuals. That when the ball came off their bat, it sounded different. And how far how far the ball went also was different. And the three players that always stood out to me: Aloy Jimenez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and this guy, Jordan Walker. High praise, but St. Louis believes they have their next superstar in Jordan Walker, and likely he will hit eighth in that deep St. Louis lineup on Thursday against the Blue Jays.
1: Number one.
2: And the number one rookie to watch in the National League in 2023. Well, I am going to go with a guy playing out in the desert, Corbin Carroll, an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He is the number one prospect in all of baseball. Has a chance to fulfill that five-tool that a lot of people believe there aren't many out there. And that's true. Be able to hit for average, hit for power, speed, defense. Across the board, he's got everything. And this guy might be it. I'm trying to fight off a sneeze. Sorry. 32 games last year at the major league level. Carroll hit 260 with a 330 on base, and his OPS was a very impressive 830. He hit four home runs in those 32 games for Arizona. Now, he is a left handed batter, not a big guy, only about 170 pounds. But last year, he started at rookie ball, then went to double A, then to triple A, and made it to the majors. How about that for a leap? Now, you can do that with Arizona since they are in a rebuilding situation. They moved him along quickly, and it did not stop his development. At double A in 58 games, Carroll hit 313 with a 430 on base, 16 homers, 39 RBI, and 20 stolen bases. That's in 58 games. He tore up double A. Went to AAA 33 games at 287. How about a 408 on base? Seven homers, 22 driven in, 11 stolen bases in 33 games. You hate to say this, but this truly is a can't miss prospect for the Diamondbacks. He is impressive. And I would have to think that Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks and Jordan Walker of St. Louis would be right now your leading candidates. For the national league rookie of the year in 2023 carroll unfortunately plays out in arizona you may not have heard of him you probably won't see a lot of him unless you have mlb tv but this kid is exciting and part of the foundation for the future of the arizona diamondbacks so the my five question of the day who are the five rookies to watch in the national league this year from five to one the mets third baseman brett Beatty. Phillies starting pitcher, Andrew Painter, Mets catcher, Francisco Alvarez, Cardinals outfielder, Jordan Walker, and Diamondbacks outfielder, Corbin Carroll. 6.47, we've got a little sizzler coming up next on WSBT. Attorney, Joe Cordell. Show me the money. We go with We go with <laughs> 6.52 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Not a great last night for my selections. Let's go through them. We started with, unfortunately for non-hockey fans, three NHL games, but a very, very light schedule last night. Panthers on the money line at Ottawa. I billed up the Senators in my talk last night, but still went with the Panthers. Nice going, Darren. Panthers lost 5-2. Devils and Islanders. I went with over six total goals in this matchup. They had 10 on the board the last time that they played. This time around, it was a 5-1 Islanders victory, so we had a push. Ended up with six total goals. Seattle and Minnesota. I went under 6 total goals in this game. First two meetings, four nothing and one nothing. So I went under again. And with a half a second left, Minnesota scored to make it 5-1, so another push. Half a second away from winning, they scored an empty netter and went from a victory to a push. Half a second. That's frustrating and finished the night by missing on the Bulls, and the Clippers had the Bulls plus 4.5. They lost 124-112, to so an 0-2-2 day, and now just 13-13-2 for the month of March, with just a couple of days remaining. Let's see if we can do some damage tonight. Our first suggestion, we are going to go with, a Wisconsin Badger basketball player. His name is Tyler Wall. His rebound total tonight is 5.5. I'm going over because in 10 of his last 12 games, he has grabbed over 5.5 rebounds. During that 12-game stretch, he's averaged 7.3 rebounds a ball a game. Facing North Texas, so Let's go Wisconsin's Tyler Wall over 5.5 rebounds at minus 120. You bet 10, you win 18.33. Wisconsin and North Texas in the NIT semifinals. Two defensive-minded, slow-playing teams. Let's go under a really low total of 114.5. This might be 50-49. to Under 114.5 at minus 110. NHL, Hurricanes on the money line over the Lightning at minus 135. And a two team NHL parlay. The best team in the NHL, the Bruins on the money line against the Predators, coupled with the Stars on the money line against the Hawks. That two team parlay at minus 137. You bet 10 you win 1737. So the four picks tonight Wisconsin's Tyler Walt over five and a half rebounds, Wisconsin, North Texas under 114 and a half total points, Hurricanes on the money line over the Lightning, two team NHL parlay, Bruins and Stars. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings. Have happy endings. We'll talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka tomorrow at 5 on WSBT.